Welcome to another episode of War Stories. I'm Tom. And I'm Chuck. And we are back this week, uh, hopefully sans tef- technical difficulties. Uh, last week, we didn't know we even had technical difficulties until right. halfway through the week. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I'm really excited for this week. Um, I'm always excited. I get very excited when we have different guests from <laughs> over the place, I guess. I don't know. Um, but a place that I'm very familiar with. Contra Costa County, um, right? Is that correct? Triple C, Contra Costa County. That's yeah. right. San Francisco, right. It's the biggest county that nobody's ever heard of. So, you know. <laughs> well, I have, in fact. Good, good. Best County, only because I was on a, a task force with uh, the state of California, and so we went everywhere. Oh, right on. You guys are up like uh, Concord and just. Exactly. Like, the, Antioch. I yep. don't know if Antioch rings a bell. Richmond. Oh, yep. Yeah, yeah. Richmond, yep. Antioch. Okay. So, yeah. So it's the, it, Creek, maybe the one you person go. you've heard of it, I guess. How, yeah. how close to Los Banos and Merced and Modesto area? Fresno? Uh, probably Los Banos were probably about uh, two and a half hours. I was going to say two uh, hours. Yeah. Modesto, Merced, a little got. closer. A lot of guys come from that area and go to work, you know, because oh, I mean, okay. we have a lot of Central Valley boys in our department, which is good, you know. Uh, nuts. Yeah. <laughs> they say almond. They say things like almond. I'm like, there's an L in almond, but okay. <laughs> well, yeah, our guest weird. this week is, is Andrew. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Uh, it's great to be here. I love uh, chopping it up, and um, I'm excited to tell the story about uh, Tablet Command and, you know, whatever whatever my view of my own experience of a war story <laughs> right, that yeah. is, you know. Uh, there probably so, some LA guys in New York guys like whatever that's not a war story but no but here's not, the thing you know what's what's amazing is and we'll we'll get into your background but Chuck yeah. Chuck can speak to this a little bit too um we've had the big city guys on and it's fascinating yeah. for the big city guys to talk and and the, for the for the county guys or the the rural guys or whatever they they hear those stories but what's amazing is inevitably we have guys on that are from you know smaller departments or rural departments or and then they they find we find a lot of listeners are like oh yeah man i've been there i've done that i've got the t-shirt so it really it, it, everybody everybody listens from all types of agencies so yeah. we, we're, we're down with whatever right on yeah um, no it's good i'm excited yeah so why don't you talk to us a little bit about your uh background and how you got into firefighting and and, and to begin with where you landed um, and then we'll talk a little bit about what you're doing uh, as we get past your story. Yeah, it sounds good. Um, so I'm a California kid. I was uh, born in uh, like Gilroy, San Jose area, grew up in the Monterey Bay area. Um, Garlic capital. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah. In fact, it, you know, you would smell the garlic uh, from the, the plants there. Um, yeah. They're not we're, kidding we're, about it being the garlic capital. Oh my God. Garlic. No, you can, you can smell it being the yeah. garlic capital. Yeah. Um, you know, very proud, uh, Italian California family, uh, and, um, grew up on the coast, uh, you know, um, but before we moved from Gilroy to the coast, we lived out towards an area called Mount Madonna. When I was about four or five years old, I saw that whole mountainside just catch fire. And then, um, you know, airplanes, helicopters, fire engines, 
firefighters and you know as a five-year-old kid that was like you know you're watching you know uh air tankers dropping retardant you know uh across mountain faces and i'm seeing power lines explode i thought it was the coolest thing i've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and i was like oh my god right i want to do that i want to be in that helicopter i want to you know i want to be in that um environment i want to be in that airplane you know and so i kind of filed that away i kind of went down the student athlete route and i was somewhat okay at school and um was somewhat okay at sports and ended up um doing college sports and that whole thing and studying biology in college i i kind of you know was like well you know you should be a doctor it was like all right that saying that going (laughs) pre-med sort of was something i think cool for my parents to say at cocktail parties or whatever but um i just really even within biology i really got drawn towards natural science and like the natural world and i was always i love being outdoors as a kid fire science what's that yeah yeah it's exactly (laughs) what it parlayed to i actually Mm -hmm. wrote um one of my senior papers on uh western uh forestry succession um you know juxtaposed with wildfire and like a a history of wildfire um in the united states is really fascinating to me that most of western united states has evolved to burn in some way or another in fact that's how like seeds are spread and how forests are it's a net part of the ecosystem yeah totally so um i kind of but there's like all right well i'm an academic so i'm going to go teach school after i graduated college started teaching middle school science which and coached and you know was having a good time but it's like i wasn't and i was a college athlete and i was like just i think a lot of ex-college athletes maybe ex-firefighters say it's like you're not using your body day in and day out and you were used to doing that for the majority of your life you you start to go nuts and yeah you're gonna miss oh, the adrenaline you're gonna oh miss my the- god all of that mm-hmm. the endorphins yep. the dopamine all of the serotonin all the things that produce with exercise and so um you know i was like i gotta i gotta do something and i also had to make more money i think i you know it's the funniest thing like w- whenever we do just sort of uh tangent whenever we do union contracts we're like well, they're giving us this percentage and that. I'm like, uh-huh, 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 yes. Because <laughs> I just remember the first teaching contract I ever signed was for $17,000 a year. Right. And wow. Like, that yeah, is You know, like, I was like, I got to do something. Different. So I bailed out of teaching and went to California Department of Forestry and Fire Protection, as it was called back then. Cal Fire. Well, Cal it was Fire. CDF. It was CDF. How do you, yeah. Yes. How do you, real quick, how do you like that show, Cal Fire, on, I think it's NBC? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I watched two guys watching that show and playing a drinking game. And then I think I've watched all of about four minutes of that show. I, I just couldn't do it. I, I can't. Oh, really? I can't, I can't do those shows. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I, I watch it. I, 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 I like the, the Tacoma Fire, <laughs> Tacoma FD. I like that one. Well, that's funny because I was a Tacoma fireman for four and a half years. See, there you so, go. Yeah. And uh, and so it's we'll we'll get into that yeah. in a sec. But uh, yeah, that's uh, I, I uh, definitely the first literally, you guys, the first whiff of smoke. Um, and the first bit of like, you know, just soot on my face. I was like, I'm forget teaching. I'll teach when I'm old, when I've spit out a couple vertebrae, you know, right. into the back seat right. or my knees get blown out, but I'm going to try and become a firefighter full time. 
So I did a couple. Well, of I'm dating myself then because I came on the job while you guys were still CDF. I remember being a cop when the changeover. So yeah. you and I are not. You and I are contemporaries, my friend. <laughs> I'm only tan and green. I never wore the blue Cal Fire uniform. Oh wow. Okay. Oh yeah. No, we look like sheriffs. In fact, like the it was like I remember. A sheriff. Yeah. You know, the only thing that separated us were, were like the Dickies pants, but, um, and mm. the, the logger boots, but, um, no, it was like tan and green. I, I still have my uniform, like stat. I was like, this is going to be worth something. Game something. wardens, park rangers, you guys. <laughs> yeah. Fish and wildlife. Totally. Yeah. Tan, yeah. tan and greens, tan mm. and greens. Yeah. I never, where, there was talk about it. Oh, you guys are all going to get badges and you're going to go to blue uniforms. I never saw it. Yeah. Um, really crazy. Well, because I was there for two seasons and then I got married and we moved up to the Pacific Northwest and I knew we were moving. You know, I do whatever my wife tells me to do. Right. She's probably like, oh, you must be bullshit. happily married. <laughs> no, no, she's yelling bullshit right now. I'm sure. Right. But um, uh, so we moved up to the Pacific Northwest. I had taken some tests up there. And so I the first fire department that hired me was called the Kent Fire and Life Safety or Kent Fire and Life Safety. And it was a suburb of Seattle and it was a great department like really professional oh, Kent Washington yeah Kent Washington yeah okay. yeah yep. um yeah right there uh you know on the south end of Seattle sure. um incredible professionals I simultaneously was also on the Tacoma list I was gonna say that's right between Seattle and Tacoma yeah and we were living in the aroma of Tacoma at the time because my <laughs> wife was working for a school there and about two and a half years into being a Kent firefighter I got called up by Tacoma and said, Hey, do you want to, you know, your, your name's up on the list. Do you want to come in? I was like, I, at that point, I thought I'd put forestry behind me, which I'd, I'd left California kind of kicking and screaming, but I thought, all right, well, forestry is over. I'll, if I'm going to do urban firefighting, I want to do it in the oldest city that I can possibly do that in. Is that um, Tacoma? In, yeah, in Tacoma. You just so, wanted brick houses and brass poles. Yeah, hundred percent. That's what they're. Wanting. I'm not I, like I get it. No, hundred percent. Yeah. Like my first fire station was Station Thirteen. They had tin ceilings with like ornate mm. designs. It's like, yeah, that was to yeah. like you know reflect wow. the heat from the yeah. steamers. And then you know the captain walked me downstairs. He goes, "You smell that?" I was like, "Yeah." He goes, "That's the horse piss from the horses." You know, the spare teams were stored down there. There's still hoof marks in the oh, back yeah. doors. So it was like, wow, right, this you is can old still time fire. Smell the urate. Yeah. in the ground because there was just so much and they just would pee down well, there horse or whatever. Piss, dude it's pretty strong yeah Fuck, dude i mean i've never smelled horse piss but... station station 13 listeners right now fact check that right now call in um, you, <laughs> you know so no it was, <clears throat> and, and it was cool it was a pretty cool um department to work for we we i i would say that between kent and tacoma um, I really cut my teeth as an urban firefighter. Right. Um, we did a lot of structure fires in Tacoma. Um, you know, had a good one right before Christmas where I thought, oh, this, this is, this, could, this could cut it. This one cut it pretty close. Um, but, uh, and then right about 2007, again, wife comes into the picture. Like, I can't not stand the weather. I want to go back to California. We'd had a couple babies, you know, want to raise them near your family, blah, blah, blah. I was like, all right, you know, it's so easy to get a fire job. Um, <laughs> Especially in 2007. <laughs> oh, my Dude, God. That's hard as shit right there. Hard as shit. So I did. I got hired with Contra Costa County Fire. And for me, that was like a really happy medium. In fact, I will say this. When I when I had gotten into Confire, as we call it, 
I did not realize how many structure fires um, they were going to. And I'm not saying like, you know, They're busy, aren't they? They are. Yeah. I mean, like we have about a working fire a day. Um, wow. And, and sometimes more. And, and then you, the, you sprinkle in, you know, a couple exterior fires from, you know, some of our urban outdoorsmen and um, some wildland <laughs> urban fires. Camper, yeah. Urban outdoorsmen. Yeah. yeah. You know, our urban residents as we are, our, our outdoor residents as we oh. call them. And, um, you know, and if you don't know where we're talking about, this is across the bay <laughs> from San Francisco. Yes. This is literally like when you think of San Francisco, you usually think of San Francisco and the surrounding cities like Oakland, Berkeley. Yeah. Uh, well, this is where we're talking about. So imagine when we say urban camper, we mean like um, sites, like, almost, yeah, yeah, like tent city. Yeah. Like we're not Just talking as, about the occasional, you know, vagrant drunk. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, it's and the it's a it's it's a very prevalent issue. I'll say politically correctly um, well, in our yeah, uh, all across California. It's a big, yeah, dude. Big there's an issue. injunction. We'll talk about this on locker room, but there's an injunction in San Francisco preventing people from clearing out the homeless. And it, like a, a judge signed an order saying, I don't care who you are. You can't kick the homeless out. Yeah, it's I mean, I will say I think yeah. I can say this with some uh authority and a leg to stand on without sounding like mean or politically incorrect but the majority of a lot of our exterior fires i think can be linked to that right um so oh, sure. uh you know within our our local responsibility area um you know but i don't i'm gonna i'm gonna throw that political hot potato out the window and um what the cool thing about contra costa county fire is we have you know we don't have as many high rises as like Oakland, um, right. but we do, we, but we have them, you know, downtown right. Concord and downtown Walnut Creek um, have some pretty decent high rises. They're mostly sprinklered. Um, I think we've had a handful of um, high rise issues even since I've been here. So like we, uh, it, but it is, it's, that's a, that's an issue. Um, a, you know, we have a huge waterway, um, in the Delta. So we have water rescue program. We have bulldozers. We have helicopters. Um, we have a wildland fire program. Wow. We have, we have fire crews. Um, right. These 20 year old kids that are just like eager and gung ho and they're marching out there in sticks of 12 and um, they're run by some really great captains. And then, of course, you know, like I said, we're rolling to. Oh, and then we have like, you know, m several major freeways running through our district. Um, and so we're yeah. rolling on extrications, all uh, we have ways. oil, oil refineries. Um, so it's like all of the above and it's, we, we do get, I I'm hesitant to be comparative to other departments, but we get our reps. Um, and, uh, and, uh, it's a great place to work and I'm really proud to work mm -hmm. there. Um, you know, uh, it's real, when I first got there in 2007, the morale was shit and it has just made um you know like I, this is such a terrible pun i didn't even mean to make this but like a phoenix rising from the ashes and part of the low morale actually um has to bad be leadership with, um some of it was that but some of it was um just kind of the economy and where the department the department was growing but it had a lot of growing pains um and hmm. so there was just a lot going on um, at the time. People weren't really into training. 
Um, and that is just, you know, has done a 180 degree. You've got, right. you know, a lot of our newcomers are just on board, like gung ho to train, gung ho to get after it, gung ho to I go love training. Teams. Yeah, absolutely. Tr- training is great. Every time we ever had training, I was always for it. And everyone's like, oh, this is stupid. I'm like, you're just fucking lazy, bro. Yeah, like, yeah. This is what hones your skills. This is what makes you a working professional. You were a prof- well, I'm law enforcement, says Tom. So I'd be like, we're professional cops. Like, yeah, that's what we do. You're a professional firefighter, Andrew. Like, so when we have a chance to do any training, we need to take it. And those are like, I love training. Food. Yeah. No, they hate the training, training, bro. What's wrong with you? You have yeah, to. Well, right? you get out, you're getting out of patrol or you're getting out of it's, work on a fire. Are you getting get paid to go hang out with your buddies and listen to a PowerPoint where the teacher's always giving you the answers because you need to pass? Like, just pay attention. It's, yeah. Learn something. Well, yeah. your de- your department has, what, like 26 stations, I think? We had had to like 26. Oh. We're up to like 34 now. Okay. So, so. now... So this is why I want to bring this up. 34, and that's 700 square miles. It's 34 big. stations. Yeah. 30, yeah. Like, like you're like, oh, wait. And then you realize, no, it's not city. It's county. Yeah. And 34 mm-hmm. stations is a lot, but it's also 700 square miles. Yeah. That's have, actually 800 if you can't count all the water, I think. Yeah, I think something like that. Um, I'd have to get, I think the last time I looked at it, I was like, yeah, 710 or 740, depending yeah. on what day and the tide and all that. Right, exactly. But, um, but <laughs> Uh, and then we have a lot of mutual aid partners. Like we work really well with Richmond Fire, sure. Rodeo Hercules, and Moraga Rinda, and you know San Ramon Valley. And uh, well, because some Army. of those agencies are don't have the resources that you guys have. Yeah, that's a, that's that's correct. So yeah. you know things right. like bulldozers, fire crews, uh, right. uh, tiller trucks. You know, sure. I mean now um, uh, Richmond has trucks, and uh, Moraga Rinda has trucks. They they are, everybody has trucks. But you know, it just if you need more trucks type, or more yeah. engines, we yeah. can give them to you. Exactly. So. Um, no, I just, uh, yeah. So that's kind of where I am today. So you've had the Um, most fun in your career at Contra Costa. I'd say I've had the broadest experience in my career at Contra Costa. I had a lot of fun in Tacoma. Um, and I had a lot, I've had a lot of fun everywhere. Um, you know, uh, I'd say the union meetings were really fun in Tacoma (laughs) because those were, (laughs) um, well, well, go ahead. No, it's just, you know, I mean, when that environment, a lot of people lived in town, California, it's a little tougher. Um, so especially where you're at, yeah, it's sad. You know, we get a little bit more diffuse, um, with regard to like how we hang out. And I think, um, that's just part of the changing landscape of, uh, California, uh, you know, fire service. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I'd say I've had the most diverse and I've grown, you know, I've had the long, most longevity. I'm there. I've been there 17 ish 18 years now at Contra Costa. So wow. I'm working as a an acting battalion chief. Now I'm still a captain by rank and by pay, unfortunately, Oof. but I'm, I'm sitting number one on the battalion chiefs list, but I, I still may have to retake that test. I don't know if they'll promote anybody else off this list or not, but oh, yes. um, that's BS. I, I, I know, always hate those lists. You're already you doing the, the if you're acting. I know. You, yeah. It's more important. That, please. Yeah. It's more, um, that's more important <laughs> than the, the stupid, stupid test is like, what you score on paper, and we all know, working yeah. in law enforcement and fire, all those tests and orals are all skewed. Yeah, they're all they're all skewed. So actually being able to do the job and actually visually able to see that the person's doing the job, I think that's worth its weight in gold, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think they should throw that test out. You know, not throw it out, but like don't even worry about it. He's already passed it. 
you're currently doing the job, just give them the job. Like totally. Oh, I where else are you going to get like all this <laughs> on the job training? Like, yeah, he's proving himself right now. And you give the job to someone else. That's a slap in the face. Well, well so that's an interesting thing too, because what I thought the job was going to be when I interviewed and took the test and, you know, did the whole assessment center, like in concept, I thought the job was a certain thing and what it actually is in my three short months that I've been doing it as an actor is vastly different. And I, I thought I wouldn't love it very I thought I would like it. Okay. Or like, like it. And I actually really love it. I, I love it. And I thought, leaving the companies as a fire captain was being a fire captain has been the best part of my career by far. I've had, I've been lucky enough to have like really great companies. Um, but this job as a battalion chief, it has been, has surpassed my expectations. I'm really, really, really liking it a lot. Well, uh, whether it's Tacoma, maybe Tacoma stories are safer since you're not there anymore, but <laughs> it's Tacoma or Contra Costa, we'd, the floor is yours, man. We'd love to hear, uh, some of your best. It sounds like they run the gamut for sure. Yeah. I mean, let's see. What do we have here? So I had, um, a couple close shaves in Tacoma with some fires. Um, you know, we had this, it was really interesting. Um, we had, uh, this incredible windstorm, um, that sort of set down on Tacoma. Um, gosh, I'm trying to remember. I think it was like, like December it was December 21st or 20th for sure. Cause I know it was like a few days before Christmas and I think I had both kids. So I think it was 2006. Um, and they had called a bunch of companies back. Oh, the storm of the century is coming. We're going to have, you know, 80 mile an hour wind gusts and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, everyone was like, all right, well, they've done this to us a million times before. Um, let's, uh, you know, let's call everybody back. So sure. you're, this, it's not going to amount to anything, but whatever. So, you know, the, the day had gone on pretty uneventfully. It was your typical, like it was pissing rain, um, but uh, the wind was relatively calm and we we're kind of watching all these news reports and red alert. And we we're kind of like, oh, you know, this thing's supposed to happen anytime. And we literally were like sitting around. Um, suddenly, uh, you know, about eight, nine o'clock, you start to feel the station kind of whooshing a little bit and filling up with, you know, pressure and stuff like that. And you know, it's like, Okay. Oh, the, the wind, the wind's coming up, whatever. It's not like any, it's like any other storm. Then we start getting calls, wires down, wires down, uh, you know, um, power outage, car, vehicle accident. And now it is really starting to rain. And now the wind is really starting to blow to at one point we had run, you know, we'd probably run about seven, eight calls before 8 PM. And between about eight and 9 PM, we ran an, about another 10. So at about nine wow. o'clock, we're kind of sitting in our, we're like driving back to the station. We're like, fuck it. Let's just <laughs> park right here. And we're like, let's not even pull into the in and out of the station anymore. Let's just park right here in the Safeway parking lot. And literally the wind was starting to kick up now that I was like, as we were pulling in, I start yelling out of the backseat, hey, bogey's on your left. And there are these two shopping carts unmanned coming right at us, you know, um, because the wind was so... <laughs> So crazy. That's not the story, by the way. That's not the punchline, but it just gave you an example of like, all right, things are now debris is starting to 
the, to fly everywhere. Right. Um, and, uh, and my next story is kind of when related as well. And that's here in Contra Costa, but, um, so we keep running calls, keep running calls, keep running calls. We finally get to, uh, this tree down the middle of like kind of a major roadway. So we're like, you know, getting our chains out and chainsaws and, you know, we're bucking this thing up and trying to drag it out of the way. Boom. Residential structure fire. And Ooh. as you guys probably have seen, you know, um, you know, in, with your careers, when you add air to fires, it can really exacerbate um, oh, for sure. mm. fire behavior. Sure. And so, I mean, firefighting is, in a vacuum would just be no fun. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. So we get there, and the neighbor that the the meantime, like, as we had been running calls all night too, there was these eerie like red and green lights in the sky, and they were transformers exploding everywhere. So power was going out in patches all over the city because it was really blowing. Now those, the, the wind that they had predicted actually arrived and people were, we were surprised, but they finally got it right. But, um, so here we are, we were rolling up to the structure fire. Um, and we get there and it's like a two story, like mid century, you know, 1940s ish, 1950s ish house. And the bottom floor is ripping, but there's no, um, you know, power, the, the, the light of the fire is kind of lighting the upstairs, but we didn't notice that the upper floors were just black smoke everywhere. So roll up, um, you know, I draw, I get a line to the front door. Uh, I hit it through the window. Um, they, the resident said, okay, everybody's out. So I hit it through the window really quick to kind of darken it down and then crawled through the front door, hung the left turn and start, you know, knocking down the fire as much as I can. And I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting it. And, uh, and all of a sudden, you know, my Lieutenant like kind of runs over my legs and he's like, Hey, I got to get another line in this room, go upstairs. And I'm like, all right. So I started mm -hmm. making my way upstairs. I turn around and to me, like I was a, a younger, like rookie firefighter. I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm definitely now to the floor, like right. hiding behind the nozzle, hoping, opening the nozzle wide open. And I made the first landing and I'm just like, belly like you've got the theme to backdraft playing in your head at this point. Oh, well, I had the theme to like, you know, um, <laughs> the, you know, whatever funeral there was. I was like, right. this is it. Like, like this, this, this is, is as dangerous as it gets. Yeah. I was like, mm -hmm. this is it. And I, you know, had embers like going down my, my neck and stuff. And Oof. I was like, okay, this is, right. this is what I came here for. Right. You know, this is the real deal. Yeah, you're in the shit. Yeah. And I'm looking behind me and the fire downstairs has flared back up again. So, you know, until there's a line Oof. through that door, I've got one option and it's out the window if it really, really turns to shit. And I keep on telling myself, like, I can feel my mask, like, getting super hot. And, I, you know, the air in the back of my throat is getting hot and I'm breathing oh, super shit. fast. Like, that's scary. I'm definitely, yeah, yeah. And so I'm pinned to the stairs. I'm like, you know, kind of, eking my way up to get to the hallway of the second floor. And like I said, I've got the, the bail wide open and I'm just hoping that like something good starts happening. And so, you know, I'm getting some knockdown luckily, um, you know, it, and then it seemed like it got really big. And then luckily I could hear just the pounding of the um, truck company on the roof. Um, and they're up there and this is an older home. So like, dimensional lumber nailed in there's no trusses to peel apart and so they can spend a little time on the roof and they started i started getting immediate relief from them you know the i couldn't make Inventing. the bedroom yeah they started venting the fire yeah. i couldn't make the bedroom right away 
And the lieutenant that I had, you know, comes up, he's like, hey, hey, and he kicks a hole in the wall next to us. And so we put the nozzle in there. That helped a lot too. And, you know, I just remember kind of like, um, we ran, we ran, our Viber alerts started going off. And so it's like, all right, let's clear out. We had a crew right behind us, take the nozzle. We had gotten some pretty good knockdown and darkened down the fire. And I just remember walking out of like, what the fuck just happened? It just, uh-huh. that first real structure fire, you go, oh man, that was uh, like a real, real one where you're like, man, I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm a little bit alone right now. It's right. getting hotter and hotter. Right. And, you know, I, I need things to start going well. That's probably um, was like, oh, I, I feel like this was kind of a close shave. Well, when we walked outside, um, somebody goes, where were you guys? We go, we were in the upstairs. You go, you were up there? And we said, yeah. He goes, look, someone accidentally put a fan in the door. And when they did, it looked like someone put gasoline on a fire. It was like, no wonder it got so damn hot up there. Right. You know, I, just I was turned it into a forge. hundred percent. I'm thinking like, oh, I suck at firefighting. I'm going to, I'm, you know, I should be better with my nozzle technique. I'm, right. I'm well, no how did I, yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, okay. These guys actually put a fan in the door in addition to all the wind that was just like packing this oh, place wow. full of oxygen. So it got pretty hot, but whatever. The homeowners um, put that fan there now. The homeowners put the fan. No, 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 no. Somebody actually put a ventilator, like uh, a positive pressure fan, to try and clear out the downstairs, not knowing that you know People they had operations going to the upstairs. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow! A uh, little Shit. bit of a failure in um, accountability <laughs> that I can attribute to uh, the chaos of the night and companies coming from all over the place because we were scattered to the wind, like mm-hmm. you know, uh, figuratively and literally. So oh, wow. I can only imagine. To me, right, like for the equivalent for that for police officers would be going into combat against a deadly opponent and realizing you're fighting for your life, right? The moment you realize you're fighting for your life, the question is, are you going to do the right thing and win? Whether it's, you know, you get the suspect into custody or you are able to get a deadly force altercation ended with deadly force or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The moment you realize or you're able to take that breath and go, okay, I'm not going to now I am. I I thought I was going to die or there was a chance, but I Mm -hmm. kept my I kept my cool and I got through it. And now I'm on the other side and I'm not dead. And holy shit, I passed the test. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's I think the only I don't know. I Chuck, what do you think that you guys probably. Have seen enough to I, I think that's about the only equivalent to the emotional experience. Yeah, what yeah, were you like? I'm on the move like the, for a second, guys, because I am on call. I got to check my. Uh, I got to make sure I'm not missing a big ass uh, fire. No, no. Um, I'm off <laughs> duty. I'm off duty, but on call, so it's kind of a weird thing. But uh, no, oh, yeah. overtime. You're, you're yeah. the you're the BC who's on call. So that's right. You know, Something I would happened. say that's a pretty much equivalent to like being in a, in a shitty situation and knowing, like, yeah, this is gonna. If, if things don't get better, we're gonna get fucked up. Yeah, this is 100%. pretty bad. It's going to go bad for me or out, it's going to go bad for somebody else, but it's going to go yeah. bad for somebody. I just need to make sure it's not me. Absolutely. And yeah, then you I, come out and you're like, how the fuck did we make it from that? That yeah. was wild. Yeah, and yeah. just with the fire going again in the room that I had just knocked down, um, it was like, oh, well, there goes the stairwell. Um, that's Dude. not an option anymore. And forward is not an option unless I get water on it. And so, you know, the window on the landing was starting to become like, 
the viable option. Um, yeah. you know, which is kind of, and, and I was just in the back of my mind, like, Hey man, if it's like to the point where your shit is melting on your head, dive out that window. Right. But, you know, um, that was, it never got to that point. Thankfully, it felt like it was mm-hmm. getting that close yeah. and, you know, that's uh, my, but, that's the, I don't want to have to contact shot my own finger off with my backup gun, but I will if I need to, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I, I get to give it up to you firefighters, man. I've been in a full blown working fire mm-hmm. with no apparatus nothing uh, just my no uniform gear? and a gun well yeah i no mean gear. you're on duty we just um get in as far as you can and then you back out yep yeah no i was we didn't back out we couldn't we had an armed suspect possible hostage and we didn't we didn't know and long story short i'm not gonna get into the whole full story but we were there and suspect through like set his room on fire and we were in his living room and it was an apartment and we knocked that door down um, we almost got into a shooting prior, but when we knocked the door down and it was a full-blown fire, fire was over us shooting a line into the room. And they're like, push, Holy push, push, go. And I was shit. like, no fucking way, dude. I can feel the, I, like, shit was singeing off my face. Oh, yeah. I was like, uh-uh. I was like, it's too hot. And like, like, okay, it's ready now because they were knocking it down. And we go to make entry. And I got to tell you, mattresses are tinder boxes and they're hot yeah they're very hot, hot and they you can't it's hard to put them out yeah and we thought we put it out and we go to make entry and it just fucking ignites like like something out of backdraft right like we're just a whoosh, real yep. fast and i stop in the middle of the door because i'm pointing and i was like fuck no i hit the ground i'm like hit it and they hit it some more and i was like holy shit yeah making entry in there when we can knock the fire down um because suspect was in the, in the bathroom like uh, pinned in um that was super hot even after it was out and like yeah. i gotta give it to you guys I'm like well, i'm not wearing shit so it's way hotter for me but i can only imagine being in somewhere where you have a full full-blown working fire all around you mm-hmm. not just in front of you but all around you that heat that comes off of that that when but, you're saying like that that mask is just it's burning on your face and it's just so hot and you can feel it and you're still yeah. sticking your ground like that is commendable that is that is some intense stuff right there well, your eyeballs you. feel hot and you can right. feel the top yeah. of your scalp starting in your ears. You know, even though we have flashes and stuff, start to feel your ears go and any exposed skin. Like my skin's going to start bubbling. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. um, any exposed skin around your wrist and stuff. I mean, it's, ha- you know, it happens. Um, yeah. And, it, you know, you can, I can always tell when my scalp starts to get like, you know, starts to burn really bad and my eyeballs are getting hot. It's like, all right, yeah, it's hot in here. So something has to happen now. Either we right. got to get more gallons per minute or I need vertical ventilation or we're going to need to back. We need to retreat a little bit to a, a tenable position, you know, and I'm sure the same is true when you're firing guns at people. It's like, you know, if you get you in too close and you're exposed versus, all right, let's just back behind this wall a little bit and we'll return fire that way. Yeah. Distance equals time, you know, Always. totally. Always, you know, and you know, it was, it was interesting. Your, I want to say your, it's your publicist or whoever who set this uh, interview up talked about how um you had two line of duty deaths yeah what caused you to create the company that you currently co-found right yeah. and so we want to talk about uh the yeah. company but we also want to talk about how you got there so if you could talk a yeah. little bit about that yeah for sure and i think um we talked about uh you know dedicating this episode or whatever do we want to do that now or we'll do that no later? we'll do it at the end. We can okay, do that cool. at the end. yeah sounds good sounds good okay so um, I was, I had put in what, eight years as a firefighter prior to arriving in Contra Costa County. 
Um, so I had a few fires under my belt um, and was as it is in the police department. You guys can just lateral anywhere. It seems like um, <laughs> in the fire department, if you're like, oh, I want to go from L.A. City to San Francisco, you're starting at the bottom. You just do. Mm. It's just like, oh, it doesn't matter if you had 10 years, you were a lieutenant or whatever. You're starting in re- recruit school. I mean, um, now we're starting to do more laterals. But um, back in 2007, it was like, you want to be a part of this fire department? Go back to being a probationary boot. And that's where I was. Nobody wanted to leave. Yeah, well, it was that. And it was just they didn't have the apparatus for right. any sort of lateral movement. So it was like, well, we can't really trust that you have this certificate until we can, you know, so what it's anyway, um, right. Yeah. So I was a recruit at Contra Costa County Fire in July of 2007 in our academy. And I got a call on a Saturday morning from a buddy who worked there. And he's like, have you seen the news? And I was kind of like, oh, did you guys get a big fire? And he's like, no, dude, we lost two of our own last night. I was like, when I found out what kind of fire they had died in, it was like, I've been to that fire several times, as have many firefighters. It was in Mm -hmm. a 900 square foot house. There were a lot of contributing factors to why the fire had progressed, which is always sort of the case, right? With line of duty deaths and there were communication issues and things like that. But that just docked. It was a shock to the system. Like, whoa, I've been to that fire. That could have been me. Yeah. hundred percent. And um, so I think it had a profound impact on all of us. Um, every line of duty death, especially inside, you know, when it is during active duty, when you're on a wildland fire or a, a residential or a commercial structure fire, or, you know, doing a technical rescue that always causes this like foundational sort of seismic jolt that you're like, okay, uh, I would have made the same decision or, you know, I probably, I've been in that situation before and I just got lucky Right. So you start looking at all the contributing factors. Right. So would I have now, done something differently? And if not, I would have, I would have been gone. One hundred percent. So I, um, about two years later, was working at the station where those guys had been dispatched from that eventually died in the line of duty, and it was creepy. You know, you're like, all right. I mean, it's a pretty active station in the Richmond area. You know, in San Pablo, a um, lot of fires. Uh, you know. Um, a lot of, a lot of gang activity, a lot of things happening there. A lot of like all the urban elements are happening. And so you're like, all right, well, I better keep my head on a swivel and really do my risk benefit analysis. And, you know, just really go in guns blazing with a lot of water. Um, you know, and about a year into that station assignment, I got approached by a battalion chief that was like, Hey, we have the accident report in hand um we're basically being tasked with coming up with a better accountability system for our personnel in the hazard zone like if five cops run into a building after a suspect five cops better run out right right like but with the suspect you know so but but whoever is your supervisor knows exactly who all five of you are right and so the set, that's accountability with regard to fire service as well. If, you know, 10 firefighters go into a burning building. You better know 
how they're assigned, distributed, what, when, and where, mm -hmm. and how they're doing something, and then when they get out. That's personnel accountability. It's a big deal. Right. This so is why we, firefighters are so much better at the incident command system than police officers are. Right. Right. Well, we get to practice it a lot. Yep. Exactly. Um, you know, well, hold on real quick. The reason why is because police departments don't harp on it. And the only way you get additional tooling on it is if you go to college. And in some cases, some agencies do put on like ICS courses. Yeah. But it's not for everyone. And it's right. only for upper management, but it should be for everyone because if your upper management is failing and you have other people to rely on, you can kind of get it done. And I think the fire department has leaps and bounds. And I've been saying this forever has leaps and bounds ahead of law enforcement in, in like tactical situations, not tactical situations, but like incident command situations when it comes to critical, like a lot of these critical things incident. because yeah, critical. I mean, they do like a lot of these courses and they get trained right. on this stuff way more than, than law enforcement. Yeah, no, I mean, we just trained on it the other day in the IMCI context with law enforcement um, for active shooter. And it just, you know, immediately boom, the incident command system um, is initiated on our end. And then we try and, you know, incorporate uh, in unified command with cops. And so, yeah, it's something, but it is something that we didn't get immediately into that night, um, which was deemed a contributor by NIOSH as one of the causal factors. Um, and there were, again, there were a bunch of other factors. It was like a delayed alarm. Um, the alarm, there was a private alarm company that really sort of confused the issue and maybe slowed the response um so there was a lot of a lot going on there but and explain um, who NIOSH is to the non-firefighter oh national institute of occupational safety and health and it's basically mm -hmm. the ntsb of right. um industrial accidents so if there's a firefighter right. line of duty death you're gonna get a NIOSH report they're gonna come in right. they're gonna investigate they'll do it a lot of times in um partnership or you know in reference to osha or cal osha um, they're not the only organization, but normally what they are we the read, organization. Yeah, the yeah, they pretty much are. And we read those reports, you know, of like what to do in the future, you know, and things that worked on incidents and things that didn't. And so um, when the NIOSH report came out, we were dinged on incident command. So then consequently, our chiefs were arguing at the county level about what the best incident command system was. And this is where tablet command comes from. The Prior to all the analog incident command that we did was either with a dry erase marker and a whiteboard and listening to who's coming to your incident in like a, a yeah. hard run sheet that comes on a yeah. station printer or, uh, and then you would like transcribe that onto a notebook. And then maybe some really creative guys would have like Velcro tags and would move them from like <laughs> one column to the next or mm -hmm. magnets, like refrigerator yeah. magnets. Oh, yeah, we and, had magnets. Magnets yeah. and binders, baby. Totally. Yeah. The T card. So, it was like, okay, that's good. And so what they were arguing about at the county level is like, should we do Velcro or do we do some sort of like, you know, <laughs> Of course, they would, of course yeah. they would be arguing over some stupid shit like that. Totally. And in fairness, in Tacoma, when we uh... would roll to fires, like I had a little clip with my name tag on it and I would throw it up to the front seat to the lieutenant or captain. He'd clip um, me to him. And then that would stay on the front seat. And at some point, an incident safety officer might grab all those clips and put it on this huge plexiglass ring board and run around. It was like a tambourine, you know, like, um, but that's what was happening in the analog world prior to 
Right. Um, and, you know, good organizations were doing something like that prior to the digital age. So this chief goes, hey, man, I you worked in Tacoma and, and Kent. And I was like, yeah. Did you guys use instant accountability? He's like, yeah, we, you know, did Velcro in Kent and we did um, like key tags in Tacoma. He's like, can you give a presentation on that? Because we, you know, are arguing at the county level. And we want to see how you guys did it up there. I was like, all right. So I went home. I think I was sleep deprived from running calls all night the night before at that station. And um, I think I vaguely remember going to my garage, like going through file cabinet and pulling out the curriculum on that. And like, I kind of thumbed through it a little bit, set it on my kitchen counter, went to go lay on the couch. I pulled out my awesome new iPhone two <laughs> and I pulled up a game. This was in like 2009 or something, right. 2008. I pulled up a game called Words with Friends. Do you guys know that game? I do. Yes. Words okay. with nerds. Yeah, Please totally. Call it. Mm -hmm. So it's Scrabble. It's Scrabble. And what you yeah. do, instead of grabbing a wooden tile and putting it on the game board, you tap and drag a tile onto a game board and you spell a word. It could be five letters, six letters, three letters, whatever right. it is. Then some guy from some other part of the world spells a word in reference to your word right right so now i'm like holy shit i just spelled a word and some person in a remote location knows exactly the five letters that i just put out there why can't a division supervisor on floor 15 that's on fire know that i just sent them five resources that are headed up the stairs right now and so i was like and like visions and images of like risk and battleship and, you know, any strategic game. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, no, this is. And guys were already bringing these to work like they were like, you know, doing Google Maps and they mm -hmm. were getting turn by turn directions and yeah. they were using it as a reference tool for like hazardous materials. I was like, already becoming a pocket data assistant. hundred oh, yeah. percent. The tablet tap and drag like the minority report. Oh, kind yeah. of concepts were coming into view and it was like okay here's what we do oh google we, street view yeah totally all, all oh, of yeah. that stuff this huge especially for you guys oh yeah uh, definitely let's see what this how it exits where's mm -hmm. this guy gonna shoot us from where do we yeah. get mm -hmm. him yep um google maps know, is a big thing we pull from yep. yeah absolutely so it was like and same with us you know because we like to see roof lines we like to see right. terrain features we want to see if there's yard cars, if this is going to be a hoarder's house. Um, you Which know, and Google, it will be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially in Cocoa. <laughs> Especially in Cocoa County. Uh, um, so uh, I just like started making these drawings on literally butcher paper and like with colored pencils and, and a straight edge, you know. And I was like, let's take all these analog techniques that these guys have been doing for decades you know, like information, whether it's a Velcro tag or, you know, an engine number in whiteboard. And let's just digitize it onto a game, uh, onto a tablet. Let's slightly gamify it and let's put a timer on it so that we can track them time in and time out. And let's make this kind of automated. And so... You know, my original vision was like, okay, like a digital tactical worksheet. You know, um, I've got five engines, two trucks. I'm going to plug them into various tasks. 
um, to support the tactics and the strategy of this thing. Guys are already doing that on a notebook. So let's just do this on an iPad and we're going to call it good. But there was, I am a total non-tech person and I kind of, I've tried to become better over the years and it's been in at glacial pace, but um, I knew a guy who was really good at that. And his name is Will Pigeon. He's currently our CEO and CTO, and he's also the co-founder. So I kind of composed an email. I was like, okay, dude, this is the idea. This is how it works. This is kind of my initial drawings. And here you go. Check it out. I want to see what you think. And he's like, oh my God, that's totally brilliant. Um, let's totally do that. So we kind of spent maybe the first half year, a year at a coffee shop in Berkeley, literally. I know it sounds really cliche in Silicon Valley, but like, right. <laughs> you know, we passed napkins. Stereotypes for a reason, folks. <laughs> 100%. I'm living it. Um, so uh, the uh, the napkin got passed back and forth between him and I um, for a little while about like, what should this minimal minimum viable product look like? You know, and okay, look, I, I don't have a tech background. I don't have a, I don't have an MBA. I majored in biology um, and I played college sports and that's it, you know? So, um, you know, I'm going to uh, argue that you're, that's why it works is because yeah, you yeah. are your own demographic. Yeah, for sure. You, right. you, you ask somebody to create something that you could use. Correct. And like, oh, yeah. The, the ground floor experience, right? Like, and, and that was kind of the mandate between Will and I was like, look, if the, if our guys mm -hmm. from coast to coast don't recognize this, even if it's on an iPad, it should right. look like it's on a notebook right. and they should recognize it. And so let's see if we can make some sort of recognizable platform to manage incidents that has some cool backend stuff. So, um, after about a year or so, we're like, all right, hey, fuck it, let's make a company. So we um, established an LLC. Um, you know, we both put some money into it. And then we went out and we raised some money. And simultaneously, we were recruiting all these different development, software development firms and like interviewing them. And we had a guy helping us with that um, who was incredibly helpful uh, with that process. And we settled, thankfully, on a company that was from Ireland, um, but then had developers in different parts of Europe. But what I liked about them being from Ireland is that, sadly, I mean, it's kind of a weird, perverse, but the fact that they, they had all that strife with explosions and oh, yeah. in the, the 70s troubles. and 80s, and they had a really good incident response, you know, infrastructure. You did like with some of the firms that we interviewed, we had to like explain what 911, like, okay, you dial 911. What's 911? Uh, okay, so a fire department. Why does a fire engine show up to a medical? Um, okay, so, but these guys got it. Like immediately they got the American Fire Service. They got the sort of, I I'll say, you know, for lack of a better term, the first world or the developed world fire service concept. Right. Right. And they're able to develop against that. So we start making these wireframes and like, okay, yeah, it should look like this. And screen one should look like that, blah, blah, blah. And kind of accelerating a little bit, we got to, um, and we did a bunch of alpha testing too. So we took guys like yourselves, you know, mm -hmm. but in the firefighter, um, you know, context and right. said, yeah. hey, we're going to put some screens in front of you and you tell us what you think they do. And what that's called is alpha testing. And Scott Shearer, one of the guys that was one of our original advisors, um, you know, uh, really helped us with that. And so 
we alpha tested and, um, you know, we got positive feedback. So we launched the product in the app store in early 2013. And then we showed oh, up. Oh, you're still a firefighter. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I had just made captain actually by 2013. Wow. So, um, yeah, it was. I uh, just know what a crazy, like, you know, there's always the guy who says, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to try doing this. And everybody goes, okay, whatever. And then they actually do it. Well, so that was yeah. the thing too. It's like, I remember the moment where I called Will because I remember being, I had an actual house phone, you know, back in 2009. And I was like, yeah. I remember looking at my wife with my finger on the, like the, whatever button you call it that, you know, the dial tone button. Right. And yeah. I was like, if I, make this phone call, things are going to be different. And she's like, okay, whatever. I'm like, look, I, I was like, I remember like, I go, I don't want to be that guy that 10 years from now, I'm sitting in bed reading Time Magazine next to you and like, oh, else these firefighters I invented this thing. And I'm like, I thought of that and I didn't do anything about it. Right. So that's kind of, it was like kind of that fear of being like, you know, I've never done anything in my life like that, where it's like, you know, you thought about it and then it's like, well, okay, let's, let's try and make it real. And it is really hard. It's like a 97% failure rate for startups. So it was really like this, like go for broke, go for it attitude. So we raised money. We launched the product in 2013. I had just made captain that January. And we, I remember we debuted the product at the IAFC technology summit in Coronado and hmm. the way they had Not a it bad set place up, to debut anything. Totally. totally. Right. I was like, Hey, Navy SEALs, take a look at this. I think this could be tactically helpful. <laughs> um, but, uh, so they had us all in these little, you know, how like, um, hotels, you know, you have the little conference rooms and they mm -hmm. accommodate like this room accommodates 12 and right. this accommodates 25 and the, we're the in the fire marshal occupancy. Totally. Right. So we were in a room that was supposed to accommodate 40 people. And then we had a bunch of other vendors that were also making simultaneous presentations and people picked which one they wanted to go to. We literally had like a hundred people like spilling out the doors and lining the walls watching this. And it wasn't because um, we were this great new Google. It was because I think a lot of people had been thinking about an interface like this because prior to what we had in terms of computers within in our in our workflow were bolted on puff books with a, mm -hmm. a keyboard yeah. that we basically pounded on about three times a day because they'd like crash yeah. and they would you know so it's just like well this thing is never going to serve me as an incident command platform it's not a mobile product, you know, so guys had a, a built-in hatred for that. And so I think this, like, the fact that, like, maybe a couple fire guys, people of the cloth, so to speak, had come up with something that other people had been thinking about, I think was compelling. And then about two weeks later, we were at a firehouse convention in San Diego. Um, and we had a lot of um, fire chiefs coming by and like, you guys nailed it. You nailed it, but you need to CAD integrate it. And so oh, yeah, yeah. the last, yeah, integration with CAD, meaning like Absolutely. the call automatically splashes in there as do your resources. Yeah, like so it populates have, everything you have, all the resources right there. Yeah, for those 100%. of you who don't know, computer automated dispatch, right? I think it's yep. aided dispatch, computer automated dispatch. 
uh, it's a program or it's a, a system by which calls are generated and, and tracked and resources are allocated and sent. So if you can integrate with that system automatically, I mean, it's kind of plug and play at that point, right? Exactly. So like the, to put it in the police context, if you have 10 cop cars staffed by one or two police officers in route for an incident, it's going to tell you the exact and accurate cars plus the accurate staffing right, rolling right. to that, which is probably true in the old tough book era. But what you get is a movable token that you can deploy right. time, place, track um, uh, on a on an incident command board is the difference between um, us and a web based, uh, you know, uh, uh, tough book based product. So um, the two most unlikely fire departments became some of our first enterprise customers, Stockton and Oceanside, two okay. gritty, older school style, um, you know, saltier departments, leather helmet wearing dudes that were like, yeah. I we want to we want to integrate that. We were surprised by that. We thought when we talked to them it was going to be beers and football and what we got was um we'll purchase x amount of licenses and um you know do you provide training and and this and that. So that was really interesting. Um and we probably, you know, and it, of course we offered it to Contra Costa County for free because you have to because you're working there. Right. Um, and then San Mateo County and several fire departments in San Mateo County were also <clears throat> integrating it as well, as were all the Northcom uh, fire departments around Oceanside, so like Carlsbad, Encinitas, um, Vista. So your uh, your idea worked, and you, you're still doing that, and you're still working as a chief. Yes, sir. Yeah, because okay, so selling government is painfully slow. So we have about 625 ish fire departments in the United States and Canada that are enterprise deployments for tablet command, including like large cities like Charlotte, North Carolina. Let's go back. What's it called? Uh, tablet command. Tablet command. Got it. Tablet so command. You can find us. How do people, it. yeah. Cause how, we're, I, I don't want to, I want to make sure we get time for our dedication, but also we get yeah. to, to tell people, I mean, we've, we kind of ended up doing about a five minute commercial, but uh, we, people still don't know what they can get. So what, where, where is this? Yeah. You could find us on all the social media channels called tablet command. And we also have a website, tabletcommand.com. Okay. Um, we're on Instagram, Facebook, uh, threads, LinkedIn, um, Twitter. Uh, so, you know, this podcast will be featured in our social media channels as well. Um, oh, wow. we'll and send, you can see, no, go ahead. Stinger. We'll do a stinger and we'll send it over to you with all the, uh, the audio and stuff like that. For you. Right on. Yeah, yeah. good. Um, yeah, no, it's a. Uh, you know, and, and you can, in our social media channels, you can find everything from customer testimonials from very large cities around the United States. Um, you know, hey, I hated technology. I didn't think it was going to work. It really worked. Um, it saved me in this or that, um, you know, uh, and then there's a lot of how-to stuff. And um, there's just, mm -hmm. you know, uh, a lot of different bits that sort of extol the benefits of, you know, having real-time incident command, 
alerting, notification, navigation, mapping, all that stuff. Wow. So I'm guessing a being a, uh, an acting battalion chief leaves you very little time, hence your partner being the CEO, because uh, it doesn't. It sounds like your company would keep you busy at this point by itself. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. But we have about 16 to 18 employees. Um, several of them are either active firefighters or retired deputy chiefs. And See, that's cool. um, so we have some great pedigree within the company. That's awesome. In, awesome. And in fact, I, you know, partially dedicate this episode to them and what they do for us uh, as a company. And I just, I can't say enough good things about the entire Tablet Command team. And that's great that you, like, sure. you know, it's put up or shut up, right? If you, if you've got the subject matter experts and you can employ them, why not? Yeah. hundred yeah, percent. Well, so, um, we would be remiss because this all started with, uh, firefighters who were lost in the line of duty Yeah, that you looked at and said, that could have been me. Yep. And mm. this whole thing that you have identified and how your company got started was because of these two men. And so um, you would like to dedicate your episode to these two firefighters that inspired your company. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Scott Desmond, Matt Burton, Captain Matt Burton, engineer Scott Desmond. Um, they are part of uh, that larger landscape of firefighter line of duty deaths where, mm -hmm. you know, communications or the fog of war um you know, got the better of them when these two men in particular were, you know, they gave their lives to attempt to save two others, you know, and that was um, in large part an inspiration for um, this company. And, um, you know, it had that event not happened, who knows if this uh, company would be around or not, but um, we certainly wow. mourn their loss and, you know, pay respectful homage to um, what they gave to the fire service and, you know, uh, and, and their families as well, you know. Mm -hmm. Rest easy, brothers. We've got it from there. And uh, Andrew, I, man, congratulations on being the, the, the. I always joke around and I say that firefighting is your other job, right? Yeah. Firefighters like carpenters or, you know, bricklayers or skid steer drive. You know, they have all. Yeah, yeah. Like, firefighting is their other job. We always joke. But for you, that genuinely seems to be the case because this side project that you launched is now its own thing with its own people. And you're, uh, you're just it's a retirement program. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. college tuition. Uh, you know, I'll be, yeah. I mean, it is, it's just, you know, seamless communication. I, and I'm, I'm kind of sounding like a, a, a shill for this, but I just really, I, if tablet command never existed, I would be saying the exact same thing. Seamless communication. Um, and being on the same platform is a no brainer. Right. Oh, absolutely. We should all hundred percent. Far too often do law enforcement and fire not have the accurate information when they're on a scene together or when Correct. responding to a scene, you guys will have one thing. We'll have a different, there is a miscommunication somewhere in between. So if this can bridge that gap down the road and I'm not just talking for fire, but if it could bridge the gap and, and work along the lines with the ICS system, inside of law enforcement as well as in fire for the cities who share uh resources and things like that that would change the freaking game especially when responding to these things you know what i mean it would be great and i, yeah. I think it's it's awesome and it's entirely possible i mean we 
one of the things we have to nurse along is sort of our collective industry, public safety, um, and they're embracing technology as part of their aggressive operations. And it we we have several fire departments that have pro- and some law enforcement that have proven mm-hmm. that it can be done. And again, we should I, we just all want to be the the grand concept is we all need to be on the same page, especially yeah, when it's getting harms no battle. Totally, <laughs> absolutely. Well. Right. As we're getting ready to close out this episode, I just want to say thank you to everyone who's listening. And if you want to be a part of Tablet Command's community and you want to, um, you know, whether you're a chief or you're trying to give this to your chief, tell them about Tablet Command and see if it's right for you and see if it's the right fit for you because I have seamless communication sounds pretty fucking awesome. But if you like today's podcast and the content we provide, please help us out by rating and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you subscribe to. Our podcast is available on all major podcast streaming platforms, as well as on our YouTube. Reviews and ratings are how podcast platforms decide what to recommend, so your reviews really help us grow the show. Also, please give us a follow on Instagram at war underscore stories underscore official and our Facebook at war stories podcast. If you already follow us, please like and share our posts. If you click the link in our bio on Instagram and Facebook, you'll be able to reach all of our social media sites and our website. Another way to support us is by visiting our website at www.warstoriesofficial.com and grab some of our merch. We have shirts, patches, stickers, hoodies available. And if you think you have a story that you want to uh, be a guest on the show or you want to tell, please email your info and a brief description of your story to us at booking.warstories at gmail.com. Again, that is booking.warstories.com at gmail.com so I can get you booked. We are looking for veterans, law enforcement, firefighters, medics, but also corrections, dispatchers, and nurses. If you have a friend who you think would be a great fit, let them know about us um, and give them our booking email. Thank you for the support. Stay safe. And until our next episode, come home with your shield or on it.